The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with Howard Linsky, acclaimed local author. Forgot that bit. Yeah. It's Sorry. contractually obliged. Yeah, I'm you supposed to say it before your name, but acclaimed but, local author, yeah, you know. Yeah. But never mind. It's no, okay. okay. You remembered in time. <laughs> I'll get that. I'll get that in quicker next time. Sorry about that, Howard. No worries, Danny. Nice but yeah, to be back. <laughs> so uh, what we do uh, with the film guide is each week different hosts, and and this time it is the turn of Howard once again. But each time different hosts will look at uh, the best films to watch on free to air TV for the forthcoming week. They'll look at a film that, in some way or other, needs to be um, highlighted and remembered. And Howard uh, calls that feature too good to be forgotten. There is also a look at new releases on the streaming services, but we start things off with a look at the UK cinema. So um, a couple of new releases to talk about and then a film that's still on release that you have recently seen. That's right. Yes, I'm going to start with The Bad Guys, which is an American movie. It's a computer animated crime comedy film uh, produced by DreamWorks. So you can probably guess already the kind of movie you're going to get. Uh, it's one for young people or people who are young at heart. So if you don't have a child, borrow one, uh, but but ask first because you can't just steal a child. That's illegal. That's often frowned upon, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Generally, society frowns upon stealing a child. But, you know, if you ask nicely and borrow one, practically all the parents with young children will say, yes, take him or her away for an hour or two and give me a break. But anyway, The Bad Guys features a world where humans, and as it's described here as anthropomorphic animals coexist that, that, that's so, animals that can talk isn't it yeah my, that's my understanding yes but I've never used I've never personally used the word anthropomorphic put it into your next book it. I will it'd yeah. be a catchy title yeah uh, um, anyway they uh, the animals in this are a gang of criminal animals and they're led by Mr. Wolf um, you know as in the Mr. Wolf of various mythical uh, fairy tales from the past there's also Mr. Piranha a Mr. Snake a Mr. Shark and a Miss Tarantula mm. um, they have made a deal to go good to avoid serving prison time after taking some advice from a Professor Marmalade. While Mr. Wolf and his gang are beginning to enjoy this new lifestyle, a new villain emerges. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. I, I suspect he ruins everything and mayhem ensues. Oh. It looks fun. See the trailer. So, you know, if anybody wants to lend me a child, I'll go along and watch it. You do have one. I know, but she's 15 now. She probably won't want to go on. <laughs> nearly 60. She's still want to hang out with her dad. I know. I'm so, so embarrassing. embarrassing. I know. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> anyway, there you go. The bad guys for children of all ages, I think is a good catch-all phrase. It is. Um, and, and and talking of uh, children of all ages, uh, let, let's because, of course, we're coming up to the Easter holidays now. Um, some schools, I think, might be breaking up fairly soon. Um, and uh, and so it does seem there's a plethora of, of films on offer for, for younger audiences members and, and we've got another one haven't we yeah i mean well I, I so this isn't a dark independent art house movie is that what you're telling me <laughs> Son, sonic the hedgehog 2 sonic's back this time it's personal <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so if anyone's familiar with sonic's work i must admit i haven't seen the first one but i am aware of him um, i have a feeling know. that not having seen the first one will in no way inhibit one's no. enjoyment of the second well I, i'm just worried in case he's like some sort of independent band who's uh, you know had a really good first album and now is sold sold out i think you're thinking of sonic youth oh damn i knew there was a confusion there you're absolutely right yeah that's why i'm going wrong but um, yes, but he um, he's uh, set, he's settled in a place called Green Hills. Sonic is eager to prove that he has what it takes to be a true hero, aren't we all? His test comes when Doctor Robotnik returns with a new partner, Knuckles, in search of a mystical emerald that has the power to destroy civilizations. Don't they always these mystical emeralds? Yeah. yeah. Sonic teams up with his own sidekick Tails, and together they embark on a globe-trotting journey to find the emerald. Uh, sorry, emerald, which I can't pronounce all of a sudden. Before it falls into the wrong hands, because that'd be a bad thing if it can destroy civilizations. You know, this mm. sounds like Bond, but uh, slightly less um, uh, violent, perhaps. I don't know. Is, is Sonic a punchy type dude? No, he kind of runs along and then jumps through rings a lot. That's, a, that's what I remember. He's a bit like a Mario dude, isn't he? Something you know, like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So you've, you've got um, an in, uh, you know Jim Jim Carrey's back as uh, Doctor Robotnik. We have the voice of Idris Elba playing mm-hmm. his sidekick Knuckles, and um, yeah, some other some other faces in there as well. If, if you like children's things, you'll love it, and, yes, exactly. and that's probably well, if about. If you have us. kids to amuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, again, that that kid that you abducted earlier. If yes. you want to take them to borrowed, that one as well, borrowed, borrowed, not abducted, borrowed. Just in case people misconstrue. Yeah, I gave him back in the end. So. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's the other one. Uh, but there are some other releases, perhaps ones that aren't quite so child orientated. Indeed, there are. Yes. So we have True Things, which is a psychological drama film directed by Harry Woodliffe 
from a screenplay by him and Molly Davis. And it stars Ruth Wilson and Tom Burke, both of whom I should imagine regular listeners this podcast will be familiar with. Um, the Guardian described this as an erotic flop, which is not a good start. <laughs> oh dear, but I, th- I think you can take stuff for that. <laughs> yes, if you, you suffer from an erotic <laughs> flop. Do you suffer from an erotic yeah, flop? Yeah, if so, give uh, Pele a call. <laughs> but anyway, this involves Ruth Wilson plays someone who is... Um, I don't know what the actual title would be, but she works at what we would have called back in my day, the Dole Office. So she's helping people find work. Tom Burke walks in there. He's a bit of a bad boy. Uh, don't, don't the girls in these movies always like a bad boy? And a uh, relationship ensues in which she is counselled by everybody around her not to lose her head for this guy because he's clearly a bad one. But does she listen? No, of course not. No. And, uh, yeah, complications arise because of it. And he's, he's one of these guys who... Um, Treats her well one minute, and then treats her badly the next, and disappears, and doesn't call, and he borrows a car and doesn't return it, and uh, yeah, generally messes her around. So okay, now this film is on very limited release, so often we it wouldn't is. mention a film like this. However, it is on release in Hemel. It is go. at the Cineworld over there, so therefore it gets a mention. So if you have no kids and you want to see a good film uh, at the weekend, yeah, unless you think The Guardian are correct well, in what they refer to it as, you can drive to Hemel. I was going to say, I, there's another review here that says that this film is worse than bad. <laughs> worse? <laughs> wow. Oh, I, thought, I thought those are the sort of quotes I only ever read on your books on the covers. I know. Oh, no, I get far worse reviews on Amazon than those. You know, look, just click on the one-star ones, the infrequent ones. You know. right. the, the ones by the so, frustrated authors dropped by your... Yeah. Your, um, Absolutely. The ones, publisher, no I doubt. could do better than this kind of reviews. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, True Things uh, is also out on uh, the 1st of April. Yes, now, um, I think that's it for the new releases, but there is, is one that's still on general release yes, that, think, that's still hanging in there. It's, it's, I know. I think you should check this out if you want a, an intelligent movie that's a bit of fun. Uh, and it's what uh, it's called The Phantom of the Open. So you, you may have heard of this uh, one, but it's the... It's what the Brits do very well, and they did it recently with the Duke, which was to with the one uh, where the guy steals the painting. Uh, the Phantom of the Open is another one of those stories that um, covers a great British eccentric, and it's based on a true story, rather like the Duke. Um, the guy in the Phantom of the Open, however, doesn't want to steal a painting. He suddenly decides in late middle age that he wants to take up golf, and not only just take up golf, but play golf at the Open as in the Open, the Championship, and um, he manages to blag his way in by pretending to be a professional. Uh, And the reason that he gets in is because the organisers don't believe that anybody would pretend to be a professional who was not a professional. (laughs) And then he hacked his way around the highest, as in not in a good way, score of golf ever recorded during Open qualifying. And not only that, uh, when they tried to ban him, he kept coming back and changing his name and posing as a um, at one point a French golfer. And uh, it's just um, a, a quite fun and barking little tale that I would thoroughly recommend. It's well acted, well written, um, and you know I suppose kind of uplifting. You know, and as I say, it's it's a, anything to do with great British eccentrics. I'm usually a bit of a sucker for, but this was very very good. And it, it sounds a little bit like a a, um, a a British version of Tin Cup. I don't know if that's a... Oh, yes, yes, I remember, yeah. The because, one that, I mean, maybe yeah. there's not a lot of similarity, but that was about a bloke who made it into the US Open, wasn't it? Yes, um, yeah, I have a vague recollection of that one. Was that the Kevin Costner one? Or yes, it was. I thought so, yeah. One of my all-time favourite comedies. I think it was a wonderful <laughs> film. And uh, it's such a good cast. Um, Rene Russo was in it. Uh, Right when she was like the top of her game, Don Johnson was in it oh, wow. as yeah. as his rival from when they were young, who was now like the best golfer in America or something. Whereas Kevin Costner wasn't, and that, so there was a lot of rivalry between the two of them. And, and Don Johnson just you could just see he was enjoying every second. He was well, he had this massive grin on his face. Yeah, he must have loved playing a villain for once because back back in the day he was you know in the eighties was Mister Clean Cut yeah. and uh, you know and he he was a villain, but he wasn't you you he wasn't like a, 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 a like a moustache twirling villain type you know he was he was set up to be the villain but he wasn't really a villain at all it was just that the other guy was just envious of him because he had all this success and he didn't whereas he felt that he was a better it, it is golfer. kind of funny the way that films portray things like that because in real life we'd be going well well don johnson's character he's worked really really hard to get where he is and you have to really respect that meanwhile presumably yeah. kevin costner's a character was just drinking, chilling, not really achieving anything. Well, I, th- I think <laughs> the, the film hero. makes the point that, that Kevin Costner's <laughs> character didn't really try very hard, exactly. whereas Don Johnson's did. So he yeah. wasn't really the villain as such, but no. it, it worked so well. Cheech Marin was in there as well, if you remember oh. him, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong, yes. And then uh-huh. um, Don Johnson's partner for many years in his cop show. 
um, Nash Bridges. Uh, oh, yes. So, uh-huh. And this is where I think they must have met, because this was a year or two before that programme started. Uh-huh. But, uh, but no, anyway, wonderful film that. But um, The Phantom of the Open yeah, is, well, is the British version. So Jim Broadbent, is it? Uh, no, no, he was the one in Duke Who Stole the Painting. Ah, this right. is Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's, really he's good, Britain's answer to Don Johnson, is he? In this, yes. Um, <laughs> if you imagine that Don Johnson played a middle-aged... Um, Shipyard worker, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. train driving, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, and he has um, what was peculiarly funny about it. He has a couple of sons who he sort of passes on his ethos, which is you know, live the dream, go and do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And in the movie, they become world disco dancing champions. His sons, that happened in real life. Okay, that actually happened in real life. And then what's good about this is that although he was derided by the establishment, because I was going to say when you mentioned Tin Cup, the one thing they probably lack over in America is the snobbery. You know, like if you're good enough, it doesn't matter where you come from. But back in uh, certainly in the 60s and 70s, and well, the mid 70s, where this is set, golf was an incredibly snobbish and hierarchical world. Mm. So that your man here couldn't even get into a golf club, yeah. let alone the open. Because golf clubs now are very different. There's no class uh, separation there at all. Yeah, I wouldn't know because no. I, 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 if I swung a golf club, it would probably leave my hands and sail off further than the ball. <laughs> so I've never quite got around to trying to join. Okay, know. so the Phantom of the Open is out now, and Howard thoroughly recommends very it. Very good. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. We move on now to the new releases on the streaming services uh, and uh, a highly acclaimed local author Howard Linsky is still here with me. Uh, so... Uh, because you keep calling me highly acclaimed, otherwise I'd be out that door. You're so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one on Netflix and one on Prime Video. Uh, so tell us about the Netflix one. Okay, it's called The Bubble, and uh, it's quite a clever idea. It's set in the middle of the, the uh, COVID pandemic, which is not that long ago. But it refers to the fact that a lot of movies during that period had to be made in a bubble. So this is Judd Apatow's kind of um, spoofing of this in which he assembles a group of actors uh, in, well, in the script, obviously, and, and he's in it. Um, and they travel to a closed film set in England to film the sixth instalment of Cliff Beasts, a wildly successful dinosaur-themed blockbuster franchise, which I guess won't remind you of anything at all. But <laughs> anyway, and then Chaos Ensues. Um, if you look at the uh, trailer, it's, um, you know... Um, I suppose lots of um, hijinks and breakdowns and um, drama. Uh, Karen Gillan's in it. Uh, you got David Duchovny. Um, who else we got? That uh, I mean, Pedro half- Pascal's in it from the Mandalorian and, and oh other such yes, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, Mandalorian, yeah. So yeah, it looks it looks fun. Um, I, I, you know, if you like sort of quirky, um, you know, whether it'll live up to the concept, which I think is quite a good one. The idea of like sticking these actors together in a closed film set because normally I would imagine if you film a film about a film at the end of the day they all disappear off to wherever you know different hotels and different trailers and all that kind of thing but they're all stuck together and they've been doing this for a while because they're on you know movie number six okay uh, I'm just looking down the cast list here and and so um, Kate McKinnon who maybe isn't as well known in, in, in the UK as she's in America I believe that she was one of the Stars of Saturday Night yes, Live. Yes, that rings about. She's Possibly the, the, a writer for them as well, maybe. Yeah, I think she might be the one. Is she the one who plays Hillary Clinton? Possibly. On Saturday Night Live. And uh, on the grounds that I just said that, and it might not be 100% correct, but I think it might be. Fingers crossed. Just just delete that later on, mate, if I got that wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly. She, yeah, no, 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 Hillary Clinton. Here we yeah, go. I just found it. For that. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, well done. Um, but anyway. Uh, she's so, very good. Yeah, yeah. She, she's in this as well. Uh, Donna Eyre. Now, this is what made me look this up because I thought, oh, I recognise that name because Donna Eyre yeah. is from your part of the yeah, world. Yeah, sorry, I missed that. That's not on my notes. No, she, Donna Eyre is in Donna this. Donna Eyre. Why, and, and she, yeah, yeah, and she was in Biker Grove. Uh, oh, I'm not sure where. Possibly where she started. But, but, but she, she was also some, The Word, wasn't yes, she? She was a presenter on The Word. She was the 
yeah, and because she was good and beautiful and everything, they shipped her off to America. Right. And I think we've completely lost touch of what she was doing over there. And it also has Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Wow. But he's listed very far down the... the, So it doesn't say that's a spoiler. It's listed in the cast, but he's right at the bottom of this list. That must be quite a cameo then, because there are a lot of actors that I copied and placed it into my notes and he wasn't on the list. So. Well, I'm wondering... Is that if because he's, he's struggling these days, I, I do you think? I think so. I wonder if, just... if maybe he's barely in it and maybe he's playing himself because isn't yeah. this something of a... You said that it's a yes. very meta, this movie, and he's, he, there's no character name beside his name on the list. I just I just worry because since Sherlock, I mean, I've hardly seen him in anything. Yeah. Um, you know, ah, yeah, I, I worry for the lad because he's got talent, but is he really... Achieving what he set out to do. I, mean, I know. It's Look, been a while since we might have a work. collection for him. That's a good idea. If yeah. you'd like to donate just two pounds a month, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to keep Benedict in a job. Yeah, if you so, could. Or so, Bernadette Cucumber, as my daughter calls him. <laughs> so that's the bubble, which uh, is out on Netflix on the first of April. Now, also on the first of April on Prime Video, we have Joe Bell. Joe Bell. Yes, that's an American biographical drama. It's a road movie, basically, and um, it's from a screenplay by Larry McMurty and Diana Asana. And I think Larry McMurty was behind the last picture show originally. Unless I got that completely wrong again, he said, ad-libbing terribly. But the film stars Mark Wahlberg, Reed Miller and Connie Britton. And it follows a true story of a man named Joe Bell who set out walking across America so that he could speak out against bullying and honouring his teenage son, Jaden Bell, who committed suicide after he was bullied for being gay. And um, well, I must admit, I, I didn't realise this was a true story initially, so when I watched the trailer, I thought, well, it's got a good point to make. It's a little bit sentimental. And some of the reviews have criticised it for being a little too sentimental. But when you realise that it is actually based on what happened to someone, I think, you know, you're allowed a little bit of uh, more sentimentality okay. than if it was merely fiction. Do you want a Larry McMurtry update? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, Larry McMurtry uh, uh, was the writer of The Last Picture Show. Thank heavens, yes. And Brokeback Mountain. Ah. And Terms of Endearment. Oh wow! So he has a little bit of a pedigree there. He's not done too badly. He's won. He's won an Oscar. It says here, and he's been. He's won twenty-four other major awards, and he's been nominated for a further thirteen. So not too. Bearing in mind the last picture show must be about nineteen seventy or something. He must be seventy-one. On a bit. Oh, Oh, uh, he's a bit more than that. He's dead, I'm afraid. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, Just when he was career to bring that rise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, he died last year, unfortunately. But not before completing the screenplay for Joe Bell. Well, apparently Joe Bell was actually made. A year or two before, I imagine yes, as, I think as we're still getting, there's going to be this films. Is it. There that, is a backlog. Yeah. Um, so although it is fits into our criteria of being new, and you know well, Amazon Prime first of April, it's almost two years old. Yeah. 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 So the film was made two years ago, but it's only mm. getting released on Prime Video on uh, the first of April. These movies are like planes circling the airport looking for a landing strip, aren't they? To land on. <laughs> that's so. a really good analogy. Who'd have thought <laughs> it? From acclaimed local author yeah, Aaron Linsky. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt with that written on it one day so that nobody ever forgets. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. We reach that point in the show where we look at uh, a film that acclaimed, highly acclaimed, very highly acclaimed very local highly acclaimed. author. I like that. That's um, very good. Yeah, that's, it works, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> um, Howard Linsky has, uh, has deemed too good to be forgotten. And uh, we are going to a film that I believe is from 1987 uh, and is Angel Heart. Yes, this is wonderful. We joke about these things, but this is very highly critically acclaimed these days, although the reaction to it at the time wasn't quite so um, positive. Some some people didn't like it, but I loved this so much. I think I saw this one at least twice in the cinema. I thought it was really, really good. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar, which is why I've listed it as too good to be forgotten, because it is 35 years ago, um, it's based on William Hjortzberg's novel Falling Angel, which was written in 1978. The film is better known, and it was written and directed by Alan Parker, the, the, the great Alan Parker, the British film director. Uh, and the cast is terrific. Uh, Mickey Rourke stars as Harry Angel, or Harold Angel. Um, Robert Nero is his mysterious uh, client who hires uh, the, ca- the character of Harold Angel, who is a private eye. Uh, Lisa Bonney is in it. Charlotte Rampling as well. And um, Harold Angel is a New York private investigator. He's hired to solve the disappearance of a man known as Johnny Favourite, and his investigation takes him into New Orleans, where he becomes embroiled in a series of brutal murders, and also witchcraft, voodoo, devil worship, you name it. Um, and the story slowly, as these things do, slowly, you know, they unravel the mystery, uh, and it's quite a quite a breathtaking ending. And I think it's one of those movies where 
I think it's really well written, and I know most of the lines off by heart. I watched it just the other day because I hadn't seen it in a long while. Um, and uh, I'd read an article saying it was the 35th anniversary of the movie, and I thought, why Why is it not quite so very well known? You know, because people do love it when they look back on it. But I don't think it gets a mention very often these days. Um, don't know about you. What do you think? That Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I have. I remember it being a very disturbing film. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's incredibly dark. dark. And, mm. and there's some scenes that I think... I could imagine that some TV broadcasters might feel... There was um, a there was a famous uh, episode where Alan Parker had to cut it because they were going to give him the top rating, the one that limits, at the time, limits people from going to see it. And uh, he had a big row about it. And it was to do with the sex scenes involving Mickey Rourke and Lisa Bonnie. And it probably didn't help that Lisa Bonnie was the was a girl in the Cosby show at the time. Yeah. Cosby family. Yeah. So she was seen as a very clean cut. Um, and then she did the movie, and of course there was a fair bit of nudity in it. And in the end, Alan Parker had to remove several seconds of Mickey Rourke's buttocks thrusting in order to get the lower rating that he needed to put it out in cinematic release. And he thought the whole thing was ridiculous, mm. but he but he did do that. I remember as well the, the period setting was sumptuous, yeah, yeah set in the mid fifties, and, and it yeah. and you know it looked great. But but Robert De Niro was just breathtaking yes, in this as well he was um rock at his very best as well and uh, the t- i totally agree with you about de niro and uh, again alan parker has described it as watching two boxers very skillful boxers um engaging with one another it was uh, the scenes where the two of them are together are just terrific you know the way they kind of um enunciate their lines but also do little distracting things as well to get the, the, the camera more in love with them than perhaps the guy that they're facing so mickey rock comes into this movie um it was at the time probably his peak actually after doing a couple of good movies prior to that, mm. and um, and he and he does a damn good job at keeping up with De Niro. Um, yeah, well, well that, that's the thing I think that that showed that Mickey Rourke had this great acting potential because yeah. he he was kind <clears throat> of a pretty boy and he'd done a few other movies before this, but then yeah. suddenly he held his own with De Niro. Yes, and and, and that's a, a, that's no mean thing. It wasn't all downhill from here, but it was quite a quick downhill from here because he decided after three or four more movies that being an actor wasn't really all that great and it wasn't very manly and he used to box so he decided to become a professional boxer and his his face took quite a bit of a pounding over several years of trying to do this um i'm say he could he was a half decent boxer but he was a far better actor yeah and uh, and now he's you know back but looking very different after quite well, a few pastings and a lot of plastic surgery yes so, yeah, yeah. Um, but nonetheless this film and and it's it is a horror uh, there's no two ways about it yeah. it is very horrific and and I don't want to say too much because no, I feel because like you, you, you give, it, give away. it away. I mean, there is a big twist, and if you don't see it coming, it's uh, it's terrific. But you're right not to. And um, and looking at, I mean, just looking at the description, I'm I'm looking at here. This gives it away, and oh, so I'm not saying no, it. No, but but sure, it's no, uh, but yes. Yeah, no, so there's a lovely twist that you should yeah. not see coming. Hopefully, no, so, I didn't so, when I saw it at the cinema. I didn't have a clue what. what so no, was 1950s detective noir. Yes, with with yeah. Mickey Rourke as the detective element. and a very. Yeah. Um, and a very sort of chilling uh, portrayal from from Robert De Niro, who's his client. Yes. So if you've never seen it, check it out. And if you have seen it, watch it again. It's very, very, very good. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. We've reached the final part of this week's film guide with hugely acclaimed local author Howard Limsky. And uh, we are now looking at Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. And we start off with uh, Friday the 1st of April, 9pm on BBC Three. Yes, that channel is back. Um, and it's the Miseducation of Cameron Post. Yes, an unusual title, that one, isn't it? But it's to do with um, a thing that's peculiar to america i guess uh and it's very controversial it's aversion therapy um i don't know i don't think they have it in this country but maybe i'm wrong but the the idea is that if you're 
gear in certain parts of America, particularly the Bible Belt, they try to convince you that you're not really gay and that gay, being gay is a choice and that all you've got to do is enrol and go on a course. They believe they will... can cure you, don't yes, they, basically? Yes, they think, it needs, they think it needs a cure and they believe they can cure you. And with, Despite all evidence to the contrary, particularly um, a couple of movies and books that have come out from people who've been through this and even where people have been the guy um, taking the course you know, actually teaching the course, who've then gone, you know, this is rubbish, I shouldn't be doing this, I'm just gay. Mm. So this one is from a female perspective. Um, it's uh, based on a novel from 2012 by Emily M. Danforth, and it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, who's been in a bunch of stuff over the years, she's pretty good. Mm. Uh, and she plays the um, teenager who's sent to the gay conversion therapy, uh, and it's set in 1993. She has a, a, a same-sex relationship with a female friend, and her male boyfriend catches them basically in the car together, in her car together, uh, and outs them both. And so she's sent by her devout Christian aunt to this place. And it just really shows the nonsense behind all this. The sort of well, God doesn't want you to be gay, and you know, if you love God, you can't be gay. And so here's what we're going to do. And they give them various methods to suppress homosexuality. And of course, some of the people who turn up there are very anti the idea, and others are like. Oh yes, I want to be saved. So they really want to be changed, and it's a fascinating dynamic. But it must be awful to go through it if you really argue. As a Christian, I have recently seen a couple of movies that really disturb me, and this would be—I haven't seen this, but just hearing about this, this would be one of them because it is appalling what is sometimes done in the name of Christianity that that bears no relation at all to to. You know, and it would just uh, I guess other other faiths suffer the same thing. You know, with with the way that that Muslims are, 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 are t- you know tarred as, as as terrorists often. Yeah. You know, um, and 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 yes, yeah, so it's nothing really new. But well, this it's is almost just... like cherry picking bits from the Bible to suit your agenda. You know, you yeah. can, the Bible's a complicated book, whether you believe or not. And yeah. The fact is, we can all pick a sentence from there that justifies what we do or yeah. what we want to do. Um, and I guess that's what they're doing. But and this, yeah, and, th- and this sort of stuff that, that does go on in America has been very well reported. It, mm. It's and it's yeah among the Bible Belt part of America, uh, th- this would be anything that would attack this would be seen as most controversial this sort of film undoubtedly there'd be those boycotting it picketing a oh, cinema showing it <clears throat> yeah. and, and it's just horrible I also watched recently the, the film that, that uh, won the best actress Oscar at this year's Oscars The Eyes of Tammy Faye oh yes and, up, and can I just point out I predicted she was going to win it do you remember yes when I yes. saw it I said she's going to win the Oscar and she yeah, did and, uh, slightly overshadowed by the slap but never mind yeah well yeah that's another whole nother thing yeah. but the, anyway um, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you that's no, right no, but no but in <laughs> that the, you know that there was a name for it and i forget the name now but but that whole ministry that is conducted in america where they're, they're basically after after your money to yeah. get wealthy because they firmly believe that god wants those pastors to be wealthy yes it, it's <clears throat> sickening and it's awful and it's and it's more things that make me almost ashamed well, that these things happen in the name of christianity we uh, we mentioned uh, we discussed angel heart as too good to be forgotten there's a great scene in that where harold angel walks into a church and there's a pastor there trying to get money out of people and he shouts at the the uh, congregation and they're all weeping and hollering and he says people have been talking about me saying i'm driving around in a cadillac if you love me, I should be driving around in Rolls Royce. Mm. And, you know, they're all waving money at him at this point. And yeah. you think, really? Should you be? Well, I saw, yeah. thing, after watching The Eyes of Tammy <laughs> Faye, I, I found myself watching a YouTube documentary all about a, a pastor in America who, within the last few years, had been after trying to raise $56 million to get himself an upgraded Gulfstream jet yes. because the one he had wasn't luxurious enough. And he had, to, he had to stop in places. He couldn't go direct from one place to I, another. I suspect God whispered in his ear and said, what you need is a better jet, you know. It's just horrific, isn't it? And and the guy said something like, "Do you think if Jesus were here today, he'd be he'd be going around on a donkey?" I thought, "Oh man, that's awful, awful, awful." Anyway, uh, the miseducation of camera and post yes. is a very it sounds like a very thought provoking film. It is it's well, it's well handled. I think it's a good film. And it's on uh, BBC Three, nine pm on Friday the first of April. Let's move to Saturday the second of April, and this is one of those films that's on my list of films that I want to see because I know I'll enjoy it. But I I've love not got around to it yet. I absolutely love it. I got a recommendation from a friend years ago and watched it, and okay. there's been spin off TV series of it, which are good. But what we do in the shadows, um, watch the movie. Uh, it's a 2014 movie. Uh, it's on BBC One at 11.15pm on Saturday, 2nd of April. And it is a, I was going to say documentary, but it's not really. It's a, it's a, it's mockumentary. a mockumentary, isn't it? It's a New Zealand mockumentary. And um, it's uh, basically about a 
camera crew that follows a bunch of flatmates, four flatmates, who just happen to be vampires, immortal vampires who've been around for a while. So as you can tell, <clears throat> you can probably tell, it's comedic in its theme and it is hilarious. So these vampires share a flat in Wellington, of all places in New Zealand. Uh, Viago, Vadislav, Deacon and Peter. And Peter's like 2,000 years old. He barely says anything. He looks like Nosferatu. But the rest of them have to navigate the modern world. Um, and they do this uh, with varying degrees of success. Uh, and uh, they also uh, meet new people um, and occasionally kill them, but uh, also befriend them at times. And one of them who accidentally kind of, well, sort of accidentally becomes a vampire. It's not intended at the time. Um, he is able to give them a more modern outlook on life and sort of take them to nightclubs and get them in and all this kind of thing and um, it is just honestly from the beginning to the end it's hilarious they also have rivals in the area who are werewolves and um, they end up rowing with each other sort of facing off like a rumble like they're going to start hitting one another and uh, you know one of the one of the werewolves tells off one of his mates for foul language and says look uh, we're, we're werewolves not swearwolves you know and um, yeah uh, it's one, one of um, one of many lines that made me chuckle throughout yeah, and, and um, the, the director, or the writer of it, um, or one of the writers, uh, t- t- I can never pronounce his name, Taika um, Waititi. Why do you think I didn't try? I left that to you. I just stitched you up like Thank a kipper you. there, didn't I? But he's, he's but yeah, really... He's, he's really having a career now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's doing oh. so well, and uh, has, has, has a great um, g- comedian, uh, a great comedy actor and uh, writer, and uh, director, quite yeah. a, you know, making quite a name for himself as a director. And, and he's won an Oscar as well. Um, he won for Best Adapted Screenplay for Joe joe rabbit which he also starred in uh, yes, yes um and uh and yeah and he's also part of the marvel cinematic universe as well he's he's a voice of one of the people in that or something um i don't know he's a busy lad yeah but i saw a film that he he wrote uh which which i absolutely loved called uh, hunt for the wilder people um which oh yes another one i haven't seen it but, yeah uh, is it good yeah. it's it, yeah it's so so good and um he was the uh I think he, yeah, he did. He did direct it. In fact, it was his film that he did after what we do in the shadows. Um, but uh, he also directed some episodes of The Inbetweeners. Oh wow! Uh, according to my my notes here, um, I feel incredibly unproductive compared to him. You know, it's <laughs> not the British version. Oh right, that might be why. Because I was suddenly thinking, what what what's it? So I'm oh. guessing no, it's the American version. I didn't know he directed. No, of the I didn't. I can't imagine what that would be like. But I suppose they did the office quite well. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, no, he directed. Uh, yeah, but but uh, he's he's um, uh, done lots of. Uh, he's got lots of things coming up, including a Star Wars film that he's directing. Apparently, that's in the in the what, pipeline. Like in his spare time or something. Yeah, jeez, right? yeah. honestly. But uh, oh, yeah, dear me. very. Um, uh, yeah, it says here he's got he's got a Star Wars film in the pipeline coming up. Um, he was in the Mandalorian and, and right. he directed an episode <clears throat> of that as well. But a man uh, does not sleep. No, I'm very impressed. Anyway, that's uh, that's the film on BBC Three, eleven fifteen p.m. on Saturday the second of April. What we do in the shadows. Let's move to Sunday the third of April, eleven forty p.m. on Five Star Red Dragon. Yes, I'm guessing you might have seen this one. Uh, oh yeah, it's very very good. So it's the two thousand and two psychological thriller film based on the 1981 novel by Thomas Harris. Um, It's a prequel to Silence of the Lambs, and it sees FBI agent Will Graham, played by Ed Norton, enlisting the help of serial killer Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins himself, to catch another killer, Francis Dollarhide, who's played by Ray Fiennes. It also stars, co-stars, Harvey Keitel, Emily Watson, Mary Lewis Parker, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's a really good adaptation. Now, it's surprising they did it in a way. I mean, obviously, Silence of the Lambs was massive, but this is a novel that's previously already been adapted into a very good movie called Manhunter mm. in 1986. Um, and Directed by Michael Mann, no less, who did yes, Heat and yes, other such indeed. things. And, it, you know, Brian Cox playing um, Hannibal Lecter was very, very good in it, but then it was sort of eclipsed by Silence of the Lambs, and I guess Hollywood saw an opportunity to revisit the origin story in a way of um, Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter's relationship is probably the wrong word but they're a very adversarial relationship and it's really really good I think I like all three of those movies Manhunter, Science of the Lambs and uh, Red Dragon and this one is well worth a watch Notice you've not mentioned all the Hannibal Lecter related films no, there in no. your list Well interestingly um, the, it, it made a, um, a note about the screenwriter for this one he turned down the chance to write the screenplay for Hannibal uh, and I watched that and thought oh no so I wasn't really a fan of that one no. it's very peculiar 
In fact, Jodie Foster turned it down, didn't she, memorably, because yeah. she thought the character had gone off on a bit of a tangent. And apparently yeah. Anthony Hopkins wasn't a great fan of it. He felt that no. Hannibal Lecter had become too likeable. And, he, oh. and I, I, it was reported that he said he wanted to do this one to remind people that Hannibal Lecter is not a nice character. Yeah, to set the record straight, yeah. in case he was an advert for cannibalism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and being such a fan of Manhunter, the, the, you know, yeah. the, the original 80s really movie, which, which, which was very obscure. People didn't know it really existed and and then off the off the back of the success of silence of the lambs it shone a light on on this predecessor to it it did um, yeah. and, but i thought well i, I can't enjoy a remake because i like that film too much but in fact i did kind of that's like exactly this. how i felt about it and when i watched it i thought this is actually very good what attracted me to it was the cast obviously i read a review at the time probably that said it was good but it's a terrific cast mm. of people all of whom have gone on to do many great things also i had the same view when i went in to watch the tv series hannibal because ah, yes. I thought I can't possibly like that because Anthony Hopkins did such a good job before mm. and I absolutely loved it and Mads Mikkelsen just embodied that character. I was going to say, I haven't actually watched that yet. Purely, not not because I didn't want to watch it but because there's just so many things to watch. I haven't got around to it but Mads Mikkelsen is watchable in just about anything. He's done so many good things. And it's yeah. one of those things where, you know, sometimes, I was talking to someone the other day who said a problem with all these series is they often go on too long. They should yeah. have stopped at least one season before they did. Yes. Hannibal was crying out for another season. It, ah. and, and in fact, it got, it got cancelled because it, it was so cerebral that it clearly didn't have a, a mass audience appeal, really? ah. but it was so good. Are you saying that just clever people like you and I would understand it, but not many other, you know, not too many other people would? Yeah, that's exactly Excellent. what I'm saying. I there. thought that's what yeah. you were saying. Well good, done. Good stuff. Howard's books are out now. You can find them in a bargain bin in the works, in I'm all, sure. In all disreputable retailers, yeah. my books are there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Red Dragon, 11.40pm yeah. on Five Star Sunday, the 3rd of April. Let's move to Monday, the 4th of April, 9pm on Great Movies. And it's one hour photo. Yeah. It's whole concept now is, is, what's that about? You know? I know. I mean, you know, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, so, like, yeah. so for, for any children listening or even any millennials listening, uh, it used to be back in the dark ages that if you took a photograph, you couldn't see it instantly. It was in your camera and you had to take the film. Are you still keeping up at the, the back there of the class? Uh, into, um, well, often they're just chemists. I, 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 you know, I have actually explained this to my own daughter who looked at me like, Dad, you just roamed with the dinosaurs, didn't you? That was your world. But anyway, yes, you had to get film actually you developed. You with them, did you? You ran from them. You ran from them, exactly, yes. yes. Not Kids with don't them. know Run. these no, days, do they? No, they don't. Do they? Kids, they don't know they're born. No. But yes, I've explained this idea of a delay. And in fact, the one-hour photo thing, I seem to remember, Danny, and you might not because you're just a youngster. You had to pay extra to get your film back I, in an hour. I, I believe that that you was know? the case. Yeah, so you might have to wait 24 hours that's or, what my or nan, several hours. That's what my nan told me, yeah. Oh, yes, I remember your nan, lovely woman. But anyway, <laughs> she um, she would remember this uh, this, uh, this concept anyway. And um, the concept behind is quite a clever one for the era. So this is 20 years ago now. And Robin Williams, who didn't normally play, in effect, the villain, but he plays kind of plays one in this. And he's a guy called... Um, Cy Parrish is a photo technician so he does the developing of the film turning them into your prints and because he lives alone with no friends or love life and lives only for his work um, he considers what he does a vital service and his favourite customers are the Yorkin family he's developed their photos for many years and he, he you know becomes a little bit obsessed with the family and um, he does. Nobody realises that he's secretly copying these prints and taking the film, films uh, sorry the prints home almost as if he's part of the family and then he realizes that the husband of the family is having an affair and it flicks the switch in him it pushes him over the edge because he can't believe that the husband has betrayed this perfect family life that he's got and that Sai doesn't have and so he takes the stalking up to a to another level and uh, that's when it gets um yeah psychologically interesting shall we say yeah um, good. he he occasionally played against type and when he did he showed quite what a talented person he was insomnia yeah. was another film i remember, yes, that, I remember he did that one with, yeah. with christopher nolan wasn't it <clears throat> yeah and al pacino and, was in that wasn't that's it? right yeah. uh, and and um in that he played a very different character as well and, and yeah. was was very good um and it it made a change because he was great doing his Thing, you know family sort of entertainment stuff where yeah. he was wacky and zany and all that but occasionally when he reined it in and he did something a little bit different it, he was oh yeah good. understood it he was uh, clearly he could act not just be the comedian so we tend to think of him as like the character in good morning vietnam or mrs doubtfire mm. but this one uh, check it out and he, he does look quite chilling in this 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Worth a watch. That's uh, that's one hour photo. That's the film that uh, Howard has chosen for Monday the 4th of April and it's 9pm on Great Movies. Uh, so, Tuesday the 5th of April, 9pm uh, on Great Movies and I agree again that I think these films are living up to the, the channel's title. It's Summer of Sam. Yes, I mean, they're, they're doing what it says on the tin on Great Movies at the moment. So, Summer of Sam, I really like this. It's um, different, I think, is one of the things I liked about it. It's directed by Spike Lee. Um, it's a 1999 American crime thriller movie about the killer, David Berkowitz, who was christened the son of Sam. Um, he, he is it a, about him? Well, when I say it's about him, it's about the world around him, the chaos he causes just by existing. So, I, yeah, you're right. It's not about him as such. It doesn't follow him. The, the, it follows his, the impact of his crimes I was on say, the world in his immediate area. Yeah, because that's the backdrop of this, Correct, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, so he's not really seen much until the very end, and then it's not... But but the fact is, there is a killer out there. He's um, shooting couples who are parking up in cars, kissing or whatever, and then he just goes and shoots them. So people are living in fear that they could be next or that their um, sons or daughters could be next. So there's a lot of paranoia, a lot of fear about it. And um, during the course of this movie... The uh, Spike Lee focuses on two other characters, not David Berkowitz. We've got Vinny, who's played by John Leguizamo, who's done a stack of things, um, who I always remember from Carlito's Weir, but he's done loads of other good stuff. Um, and his, he's in a marriage that's faltering because he's, he's cheating all, all, all over the place. And the other character is Richie, played by um, a young Adrian Brody, who is Vinny's childhood friend, who has come back from London having embraced punk <laughs> like punk fashion and punk music and, and standing out even more than punks did in London because there aren't many of them in the Bronx. Um, but yeah, so it follows their story. And one of the aspects of it is that suspicion starts to fall on Richie because he's so weird in their in their eyes. I mean, not necessarily in London punk scene, but in their world, um, they start to think maybe he's the killer, which is a real leap. But, um, you know, morons do make big leaps like that, don't they? And, yeah. Uh, and so it follows, the, you know, the dynamics involved of their friendship, um, the environment they're in. One, Vinny starts, his marriage starts imploding. Richie, his whole life starts to implode. Um, and it's it's really good. It's compelling what, uh, viewing. It's very, very good. Yeah, movie. G- great. And the, the four main people in it, um, you know, as you said, they're Adrian Brody and John Leguizamo, yeah. <clears throat> along with Mira Savino and Jennifer Esposito. The four of them were great. And, they are. And really <clears throat> did such a good job with this. I mean, th- looking at some of the pictures on, on IMDb of the movie, it looks like John Leguizamo is doing an impression of um, John Travolta from Saturday Night yes. Fever because yes. it's the same setting. <laughs> it's the same era. Yes. It's a, a nightclub well, in New York. They even go and do that dance yeah so they and at one point they try and get into studio 54 because they think that's going to be the um the epitome you know the best mm. nightclub ever so he goes out with his girlfriend he's turned away but because someone likes the look of him they go come to this other place and they go to plato's retreat which is not that kind of nightclub yeah it was a big sort of um sexual free sexual movement nightclub thing and he ends up in there by accident at one point but but <clears> unless <throat> i am maybe it's a long time since i've seen this movie but i don't recall at the time thinking oh he's just trying to be John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. So whilst in some of these images he looks like him... I think he just dresses like him because yeah. everybody... Well, not everybody did, but guys who wanted to go disco dancing with their girlfriends and twirl them around the room were probably going to have the hair a little bit like John Travolta, probably going to wear the suits. Yeah. Um, and he does that when he goes out on nights out. But, yeah. yeah. And also, yes, that John Travolta from that film in that time would have been such an inspiration to people that lots of young men in the late 70s yeah, would have been trying to look like him absolutely so yeah that makes that it does make sense but but yeah it's a great film and and if you know for a lot of people they wouldn't admit it necessarily but a guilty pleasure is i think serial killer films especially ones based on real life things and and this is not so much about the son of sam as about like you say the impact that he yeah. had on the community <clears throat> the where fear that spread that through that community particularly for young people going out and their parents who are going like be careful mm. and at one point mara savino's um father gives her a wig to wear so that she changes her hair color because they they get this theory that this son of sam dude only ever mm. kills women of a certain hair color you know and she has to yeah. wear a different wig yeah <laughs> And it's a bit like um, um, what was what was that TV series called? Was it was it Ripper Street, the one that was with Jerome Flynn and um, oh, Matthew yes, McFadden? You might you may where, well be correct there. Where it was the backdrop to Jack the Ripper, yeah, and the aftermath and what it was like to live 
in the East End of London at the time. At yeah. the time, living with the fear, but it wasn't directly about Jack the Ripper. No, and in the same way, I guess this is this has that relationship well, to the son of Sam. I, uh, I was in Huddersfield in the mid eighties at college there, and there was still a little bit of aftermath of the Yorkshire Ripper. You'd speak to people, and they would tell you how scary it was, and uh, occasionally we'd walk home, and someone would go, "Oh well." Yeah, under that bridge, that's where this happened, and you know they are—they remembered everything that had occurred, yeah, and where the bodies were found, and the fear they felt at the time. So. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's uh, Summer of Sam, uh, nine p.m. on Great Movies, Tuesday the fifth of April. Let's move to Wednesday the sixth of April, and a very different film in terms of its tone and style, but but no less great. It's uh, nine p.m. on BBC Two. Stan and Ollie. Yeah, I like this one. It was—I mean, uh, you know—they're not on TV as much as they used to be, but when I was a, a kid, they'd do reruns of. Um, uh, you know Oliver uh, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy's comedy, and I, I remember you know growing up to watch them occasionally. And my uh, elderly relatives would confirm that they were the, they were a huge hit at the time when they were growing up at the cinema. So this follows them. It's a it's a biographical comedy drama film. It's been described as, and uh, it follows them in the later years of their lives where they were trying to make a bit of a comeback. So they'd been massive. And then uh, it, it follows the true life story of when they both came over to uh, the the UK to relaunch their careers, and uh, uh, with um, dramatic effect because Oliver Hardy's health is bad, and he's been advised not to do this really. And it, it you know it, it's one of those things where you could keel over at any point. So there is an added element of drama to um, what they're trying to do, and initially people don't really care about them people don't really remember them well they remember them but they think of them as a, a past thing and now there are new guys you know new kids on the block um in in that era and um they're they're really well played by steve coogan and john c Riley, um which sounds like an un- unlikely double act but then stan laurel and oliver hardy were an unlikely mm. double act as well but they, they both nailed their characters <clears throat> they did. didn't they yeah i thought it was very good yeah, so that's well worth a watch and um and yeah made by the same people who made philomena uh, so this was also produced by um the steve coogan's production company yep. and written by his collaborator jeff pope and it has a lot of that same warm sentimentality about the movie yes i think so it wasn't too sentimental but there is a no there is a, a there was a real true life thing about their act i mean they fell out and they argued but they loved one another and when oliver hardy did eventually succumb and you know and, and died in the period to, you know beyond this movie Stan, Stan laurel wouldn't work with anyone else and he wouldn't work on his own no you know because he just thought that, that they were who they were and it's, that was it. it's i remember it saying in the closing credits where it gave you an update of what happened to them after, at the end of the movie and it said that right up until he died some years later um uh, uh, yes, yeah, Stan Laurel kept writing sketches yes, for Laurel. And he, he wrote Amazing. them up until the he day wrote he died, them even though he knew they'd never been no. performed. No, which makes you think about what was going on in his head. You know, the, yeah. And it was a yeah, it was a way love, to keep them alive, I suppose. It was a love story as well. It was yeah, a, it, was it was about yeah. platonic love between yeah. these two guys who yeah. who even that because even when, though you knew that they had fallen out and you knew that there were there was a big period of time when then when they then didn't work together, that it was you never really saw much of that in the movie you never no. saw them really exchange across words but you knew that it was there and it was there was an undercurrent yeah, and it's one of those a bit like when a family can fall out over a misunderstanding or it was what you, yeah. they didn't intend to yeah. um, have a big rift between them but i i, I thought it was just but the fondness and the affection that they had for one another yeah, that was came through in the movie i think yeah and it could say you, <clears throat> you could describe that movie and it could sound like the sort of movie that i would hate that yeah. think, oh it's gonna be so like nauseating but it wasn't no it they handled that really well. They did not lay it on too thick. No, you're right. Absolutely. And uh, I think Steve Pickens very good. He, we tend, again, not to always think of him in roles like that. We tend to think of him a bit more as a uh, an outright comedian. But I thought he played the character really well. Yeah, yeah, really good. They, they, and they both work. John C. Riley. in other things I've seen him, has always been something of something of a farcical comedic character. Mm. And, and in this, he really, they, they, you know, they both embodied the parts they were playing so well. They did. That's Stan and Ollie, 9pm on BBC Two, Friday, uh, Wednesday the 6th of April. We move to our final film of the week. We've already mentioned this once in a manner of speaking. We have. Um, Thursday yes. the 7th of April, 10.40pm on Film 4, The Inbetweeners. Yeah, I mean, you, for the, we, we mentioned before that if you're a child at heart, you know, go and see the kids' movies. But this is if you're a teenager at heart, really. Um, the Inbetweeners... Uh, you know anybody that's seen the TV episodes know what they're like. They're they're rude, they're crude, they're immature, they don't get it, and that's why it's funny. 
And um, this was meant to wrap it all up at the end of, uh, I think, four seasons of the TV series, something along those lines. And it follows them when they go on a holiday um, at the end of their final year at school together. And uh, it stars the usual cast members. Uh, they get into all sorts of scrapes that really are irrelevant for me to describe here. But just watch it if for no other reason to watch that clip of them dancing across the dance floor to reach the girls. You know, they're at the bar. The dance floor is empty. There are, there are four girls at the other end of the dance floor sitting there. And instead of strolling over, they decide to nonchalantly dance toward them. And it's hilariously inept and it's worth watching the entire movie just to see that clip really but uh, yeah um, I wouldn't say the plot's irrelevant but the plot doesn't matter as much as the fact that they end up doing cringeworthy and very funny things and uh, yeah I always thought part of the success of the Inbetweeners was that they created these four characters who I think most people of a certain age in particular could probably relate to because they weren't the geeks they weren't the that they weren't like the 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 ones that in so many movies are are, are made the comic foils and they weren't the cool kids either they were the the in-betweeners exactly and i think most of us probably were the in-betweeners most of us you know there's not gonna be many people who who would ever like be so bold as to admit yeah no i was a really cool kid yeah when when people do that you just think no you weren't yeah because if you were you wouldn't have to see it yeah (laughs) or or you're in prison now you know yeah so so yeah um it's it's you know for most of us we probably Mm. were something of the, you know, so these characters were so well. I won't ask you which one you were, but uh, you know, oh. I'm now visualising whether you took a briefcase to school or whether you did something a bit more out there. I, I, but you I, can tell me after over a pint. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to admit anyway. But um, but yeah, th- th- I, I could relate to these characters a little bit, and I'm sure a lot of people could if they were being honest. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Very funny, and so um, uh, it, it was such a big hit as well. And and you know, one of having spun off from a TV series that doesn't always work you know just no. ask Catherine Tate right now oh you know, yes her, her oh, gosh, film I haven't is, seen that but it's being panned isn't it's it really dying badly. a gruesome death yeah. um, the Nan yeah. movie um, oh, yeah. is, is not doing well um, oh dear although yeah. I'm still staggering I, I keep trotting out this fact in the last few weeks when people have been talking to me about this stuff um, Holiday no on the Buses, the first On the Buses movie was the biggest movie in the UK in 1971. Wow. It beat Diamonds Are Forever, the, the Sean Connery's comeback Bond film. Probably because of its glamour and its big budget <laughs> buses. And <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Diamonds Are Forever, number two in the charts, going, what, what, what beat us? On the Buses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, wow. and it was kind of the catalyst that launched many a 70s movie spin-off from a sitcom yeah. because of how well that one I, movie honestly, did. Honestly, I look back now and I think, was there any TV series that did well that didn't end up with a movie? You know, they all seem to have a spin-off movie. The Sweeney, Porridge, you know, just... The Sweeney had two. two. They did. Yes, and uh, Are You Being Served? Yeah. You know, they went... But there, wow. was, there was loads of them. And, and most of them died with, you know... And are You Being Served? Christ. The Revenge. I remember it. Yes. <laughs> well, no, well, for a lot of them, the story was exactly the same. It was the cast yeah. of the sitcom going off on a holiday somewhere. I was about to say that. The entire plot device always seemed to revolve about the fact we're having a week off. We're going on holiday. Which is uh, exactly yeah. what the Inbetweeners movie is. Yeah, they all exactly. go off on a holiday together. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a perennial favourite. Yeah, and yet it works. Anyway, Indeed. those are Howard's choice of films. Uh, the Inbetweeners there being the final one. Film for 10. 40 p.m. on Thursday the 7th of April if you had to choose one of those movies to be your film of the week if Howard you absolutely force me to when you're going to I'm going to go for what we do in the shadows this okay. is absolutely brilliant that's Howard's film of the week all of Howard's film choices there that the, um, are going to be on TV this forthcoming week you can see the list in the description of this episode right now uh, you can also find it at stanorbanspodcast.com Howard, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. It's a pleasure. How, Howard's books are on sale now. Um, uh, Howard's critically acclaimed books? Highly critically acclaimed <laughs> books. They're, they're available everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, they are quite good, actually. Um, well, some, Thanks, of, some of them. Um, one of them's really good. Not what? that one, though. That, not, we don't talk about that no, one, no, you know, the bad no. one. Yeah, yeah don't talk about one. that one. <laughs> one. Uh, oh. Anyway, um, yeah, and next week, ne- next week, the film guide is in the capable hands of, of Chris and Sam. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we hope to uh, catch you again. We will see.